19-year-old Sophia Herzog representing the United States of America. A silver medal at the Paralympic Games. I remember seeing her and just struck by how she carried herself. Even though she was only four feet tall and there was nothing stopping her. Welcome to Flame Bears, the woman athletes carrying Tokyo's torch. I'm your host, Jamie. In this episode, Sophia Herzog of the U.S. Paralympic swim team opens up about her experience underwater and under most people's eyeline, and using her platform as a professional athlete to inspire social change. My name is Sophia Herzog, and I'm in Paralympic swimming, and I won a silver medal at the 2016 Paralympic Games, and then I'm a two-time world champion and five-time world medalist. Sophia joined the national team in 2015, and she's been swimming competitively since she was 10 years old when she joined her first club team. I asked her when she fell in love with swimming. When I was in middle school, I joined my first team, and it was five girls. Um, so we would go into swim meets knowing we were going to lose. <laughs> but it was just so fun, and it's probably still to this day my favorite team, just because the camaraderie, the sportsmanship. I mean, when one of us was racing, the other four were at the other side of the lane, screaming each other on. Um, and just that feeling of getting on the blocks, knowing you had um, those four girls behind you was something indescribable. Swimming wasn't the only sport Sophia played growing up. Her parents encouraged her to explore other outlets as well. I did all the sports growing up, and my parents pushed me really hard because they knew I was going to have to prove myself 10 times harder just to be on an equal playing field. They never cut me a break or gave me the pity party. I was expected to be on the honor roll, to be playing sports. They never felt sorry for me, and they didn't let me feel sorry for myself. Sophia was born with dwarfism, which is something I was generally familiar with, but I wanted to make sure I was using the correct terminology. So the correct terminology for us is, scientifically, we're dwarfs. I have the most common type, which is achondroplasia, and then we're also known as little people. So standard is, I think, four foot five inches for women and under is considered a little person. So we go by both of those terms. As you may imagine, this posed serious challenges for Sophia growing up. She loved sports, but there were times she was excluded just because of her size. Coaches benched me just solely because of my height. I was benched my whole eighth grade year of basketball solely because of that. It really did suck, but hopefully, you know, I paved the way in case another disabled person goes through that school district that they know that there was a mistake happen and it won't happen again because every, every boy and girl des- deserves to do whatever they want sports-wise, academic-wise, in school. That's when you figure out what you love. Sophia shared that the small school and community she grew up in wasn't really equipped to provide resources for someone like her. I grew up in a town about 450 people. 
100 kids in my high school, 20 kids in my graduating class. And I was the first person to go through the school district with a physical disability. So it was a huge learning curve of what needed to be modified, where I needed stools, that kind of stuff. And then when we got older, you know, bullies happen. And I was bullied from the form of isolation. So I would go through days to weeks of nobody talking to me. While her town and community may not have been able to provide the resources that Sophia's family needed, they found a home with the organization Little People of America that provided tremendous value for both Sophia and her parents. Little People of America is a community of all of us little people dwarfs in America, and we get together, we try to get together non-pandemic times once a month in our states and then once a year is the whole nation which is super cool it's just a great time throughout our whole lives that like a you go when you're really young and your parents like my parents are average heights so this was a whole I was kind of a curveball with my dwarfism so they got to talk to other parents of you know how to raised me with dwarfism. And then I got to meet some kids that were my age. And we'd be like, hey, is this happening to you? And they're like, yeah, it's happening to you. And then as you grow up, you have this tight knit group of friends, and you may not live close to each other. But they're always a phone call away. And they're going through the exact same thing I'm going through, which is really nice to know. This organization clearly played a huge role in Sophia's life. So I wanted to learn more. I sat down with the organization's president, Mr. Mark Pavanelli. My name is Mark Pavanelli, and I'm the president of Little People of America. Little People of America is a support organization for people with dwarfism and their families. And what we do is we try to ultimately raise awareness and provide resources for you know the issues that affect people with dwarfism. But at the same time, we really strive to celebrate the social relevance of people with dwarfism and the diverse aspects that we bring to society. Dwarf pride, basically. Dwarfism in its simplest terms is a genetic condition that causes short stature. And that condition is brought on most of the time by a mutation that affects bone growth. So there are about 450 different types of dwarfisms, but largely it is short stature and then oftentimes has various um, mutations in, in the growth of bones. People of short stature face obvious challenges given the nature of their physical makeup. But then there's the factor of finding equipment or uniforms that fit their frames, as well as the nature of the physical constructs related to certain sports. A full-height volleyball or basketball net or a full-length pool, for example. This makes things way more challenging. And then there's the social stigma around dwarfism. As you grow up and, and you start participating in athletics, it, you quickly realize that you're going to be playing the game maybe a different way. A lot of it depends on how uh, receptive other people are to that reality. And when they're not, you kind of get squeezed out of even participating. You know, that can be pretty discouraging. As discouraging as these things may have been for Sophia... 
Fast forward to today, she's a 23-year-old woman living in Salida, Colorado, training for Tokyo 2021. She lives with her partner, Nick Gibb, who's a retired Paralympic athlete. Okay, here we are, Sunday morning, final day of U.S. Paracycling Track Nationals 2016-17. Team athlete Nick Gibb warming up for his kilo effort coming up shortly. Sophia and Nick met at the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. I remember seeing her and just struck by how she carried herself, right? Even though she was only four feet tall, she held herself at a standard or a position that that I could see just confidence from her. And there was nothing stopping her. And I was just uh, immediately attracted to her. I just felt this positive energy and this little lady, there's nothing going to stop her. As I talked with Nick, I was struck by his overwhelming support for Sophia and how they have a ton of similar shared ambitions and experiences. While Nick is now a retired Paralympian, he grew up without a disability. November 16th, 2004 was the day that changed my life forever. I was working as a snowmaker at Crested Butte Mountain Resort. We were shutting down the machines for the day. I was walking up to the last machine to be shut down and a high pressure hose became disconnected from the machine and swung around and connected with my leg. It broke my leg in anywhere from 30 to 50 pieces they estimated and my doctors described it as a 12 gauge shotgun point blank at my leg. Nick has clearly gone through his own challenges, and that makes his support for Sophia that much more impressive. As Sophia swims her way to Tokyo, Nick is by her side. This next chapter that we've gone into, I'm no longer a professional athlete. Whereas before, it was really both of us digging in the trenches, going after this, trying to both you know, gain that dream individually, but with the the same common goal. Now I have retired from sport. So now my position is more of a support role, financial role, doing whatever I can to help minimize her stress because I know what she's going through day in and day out. I feel like I've got a lot of skin in the game and I want this. I almost feel like as much as she does. He knows exactly what I'm going through. You know, the general public really doesn't see, you know, the heartaches, the hardships, the sacrifices behind the closed doors. And he knows what it's like to do it. So it's really nice to be able to share share it with somebody and it's going to make it that much sweeter, you know, when we get to Tokyo. If you check out Sophia's social media, you'll find lots of photos and videos of Sophia and Nick on their outdoor adventures, along with their new buddy. I recently just rescued a dog and we named him Odie. We were actually planning on getting him after the games and then the postponement happened and I was kind of starting to get like lonely in the house. Um, It was a really good decision. He's kept me a lot of company. In speaking with Sophia and Nick, not only did I learn more about their relationship, but I also learned something about elite athletes that I'd never before realized. Things are extremely tough. 90% of 
Olympic and Paralympic athletes are at poverty line or below. And we are, you know, perfect example of that. We're scraping by. I've now moved into a, a new position, trying to start a career post my athletic career. And it's hard. The stories you hear about athletes sleeping out of the back of their trucks and, you know, they're all true stories. Getting funded to go to huge meets like trials that where USC Swimming and US Paralympics can't fund it just due to not everybody being on the same playing field. From what our funding is through Team USA, it's really just to get us like the bare minimum of training and coaching and recovery, massages, any kind of recovery tools that we like. It's really not made for us to live off of it, but a lot of us are thrifty enough, we'll call it, to figure out how to live off of it. Sophia recently received a grant from the Women's Sports Foundation, the largest nonprofit for women and girls in sport in the United States. The Women's Sports Foundation Travel and Training Fund allows Sophia to train and travel without having the financial stress of trying to figure out how she can afford it. This frees her up to focus on her training. It's just a huge relief, honestly, for us. I decided this quad that I wasn't going to take a job and I was just solely going to focus on my training. So he's been super supportive in that aspect as well. But having this grant, you know, goes right into paying for trials. And so it's just one less stress we have to worry about in already a high stress situation, which I'm super grateful for. When Sophia says this quad, she's referring to her life in four-year blocks between Paralympic Games. This grant means that Sophia can focus solely on swimming. Nick was with Sophia when she received the news and witnessed her excitement firsthand. Oh yeah, it was huge. When we knew she, obviously we talked about it quite a bit when she applied for it. And then I was constantly bugging her. Have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? So we're, I was in my office working and I just hear her yell, you won't believe it. You know, I came running out, out into the living room and we shared the experience together, which was huge. According to the Women's Sports Foundation's website, their mission is to be an ally, advocate, and catalyst for tomorrow's leaders by enabling girls and women to reach their potential in sport and life. The more I talked with Sophia and learned about the organization, I could see why Sophia would want to be involved. I just got involved early on because I think like opening up the factor of the discrepancy between men to female in sports and really opening it up, especially to the younger generations for girls getting into sports. I want young girls to see that, that we can own any kind of sport, whether it be football or swimming or gymnastics, whatever it may be. I wanted to better understand exactly how the organization provides opportunities for athletes like Sophia. So I spoke with someone who knew the Women's Sports Foundation inside out. My name is Elena Nichols. I am a six-time medalist from the Paralympic Games in three sports. I played wheelchair basketball, alpine skiing, and sprint kayak. And I am the president of the Women's Sports Foundation. When we spoke in December of 2020, Elena Nichols was the president of the Women's Sports Foundation. 
Having since concluded her presidency term, she now sits on the board and remains heavily involved with the foundation. She remains very active, has taken up adaptive surfing, is looking forward to broadcasting the upcoming Tokyo Paralympics, and her greatest passion is time spent with her young son, Gunnar. For a lot of young girls, especially young women in underserved areas and minority status, especially young girls with disabilities, a lot of barriers are in place for those young girls to participate and play sports. And one of those big barriers is finances. And, you know, to to be able to cover those finances and create opportunities for young girls and women to start their career and to maybe even continue it, to further it in any way is huge. So the travel and training grant is specifically for young women that need that extra bit of support. A lot of what the Women's Sports Foundation does is research on kind of the current landscape of young girls and women in sports and why why there are girls that aren't playing sports and why there's a steep drop-off rate at specific ages. And so, you know, using that research, it's important to be able to know the demographic that needs that financial boost the most and, um, you know, make those finances available. As an athlete myself in 2010, my whole group of and community of people in my small town of Farmington, New Mexico raised $10,000 for me to get to the Paralympic Games. This is before I even knew about the Women's Sports Foundation and the travel and training grant. And so, you know, that the travel and training grant at the Women's Sports Foundation can literally make it possible for elite female athletes to reach their dreams of going to the Olympic or Paralympic Games. And that's, I mean, that's as valuable as a gold medal right there. It's huge. Sophia's focus and determination is incredibly admirable. And she does not view her size as a setback. Instead, it fuels her to break people's stereotypes. In a recent article published by CPR News, Sophia's coach, Wendy Gorey, mentions that based on measurements they've taken, Sophia needs two and a half times as many strokes to swim the same distance as most high schoolers. Given that Sophia won silver in Rio, she's clearly learned a thing or two about adapting. I mean, realistically, obviously, I, I come at a disadvantage in a lot of aspects, but I think the thing is, I need to figure out how to adapt and overcome the disadvantage to to be able to do it. You know, life's not going to adapt to to us and specifically to me. Um, I need to figure out how to adapt to it. She shared that everyday tasks like going to the grocery store come with their own set of challenges. I'll go to the grocery store and there'll be like half my list I can't reach. And I'm pretty like a shy person and I won't ask for help or there won't be anyone in the aisle to even help. So like I'll come home with like half the grocery <laughs> list because um, then you think about like, you know, everybody can reach the top shelf and I'm probably like third shelf up from the bottom. That is my range. Sophia doesn't let these everyday challenges silence her. Rather, she sees her position as a member of Team USA as an opportunity to spread her voice through her public platforms 
and to channel any frustration into action. I have a platform and I'm considered a minority in America. So just getting my voice out there as much as possible for people to see, you know, my perspective and either fighting for it or people making the same connections like, wow, you know, I'm a female and I'm disabled and I have those same encounters, interactions, whatever it may be. I'm kind of the short end of the stick and, you know, my rights are one of the first ones to get questioned and I want it to be heard, especially younger generations that A, are disabled or B, are female. I think athletes and celebrities have a really good platform to get their voices out there and heard. And especially on the athlete side, we're a total little different perspective of politics. You know, sports tries to stay away from politics, sports politics, as much as we can. So I think it's a good or a different angle to come at it, for sure. Sophia showed her support for President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris in the months leading up to the election and inauguration. We did it. We did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. (laughs) But while I may be the first woman in this office, I will not be the last. She shares that Vice President Kamala Harris has been a huge source of inspiration for her personally. And she's hoping that the chance to meet her in person isn't too far out of reach. So after the Olympics and Paralympics, we actually get invited to the White House. I was like, oh my goodness, I get to meet her. I'm going to give her a hug. I don't care if some security guard's going to take me down. But I think this is, you know, this is history. And I mean, she's going to go down in the history books. And I'm going to be, hopefully, if I make the team lucky enough to meet her. And I asked Sophia if and when she does get the chance to meet Vice President Harris, what she'll want to say to her. Just just to thank her for, you know, I mean, she she has like tenfold bigger of a platform than me. And I know she's opened a million little girls' eyes for, you know, she's she may be the first, but she's not the last. While Sophia looks up to Vice President Harris, many look up to Sophia. Like Vice President Harris, Sophia is using her platform to advocate for changes close to her heart. I asked Sophia what she would like to say to those listening especially those in the dwarfism community. The world wasn't essentially made for us, but um, we have to make it work the best we can, and we can adapt it for our lives. To any any little people that are listening, I, I know exactly the struggles, if any, that you're going through, and it definitely get, gets better on the other side. And finding outlets, whether it's sports or not, is a huge impact. No matter what gender you are, if you have a disability or not, um, anything is possible if you put your mind to it and surround yourself with people that are going to support you and help you get to your goals. Mr. Povinelli shares a similar sentiment and sees Sophia's success as an inspirational story to encourage other little people who desire to compete 
but may feel that they don't have the opportunity. Just because you have dwarfism doesn't mean that you don't like to compete and you don't like to excel in something physical. And so to see someone do both of those things to a level that Sophia has is very inspiring to others. And and yes, you may not be able to have your coach convinced in the eighth grade that you should be out there playing basketball, but you still can work hard, find something you're passionate about in athletics, in the physical domain, and you can excel at it. I think that's really inspiring to a lot of other little people. In closing, I asked Sophia what one action she wants every single listener to take after tuning into her episode. To be kind, honestly, I think being a little person, that's the first thing I face is sometimes people are unkind. I don't know if they're nervous or scared. They don't know, uncomfortable. We're just, we're people. We're just a little smaller. Thanks for tuning in to Flame Bears the woman athletes carrying Tokyo's torch. For more behind-the-scenes coverage, follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Flame Bears. Be sure to tune in to the next episode, where I speak with Tommy Leonelli of the Chilean table tennis team about spinal bifida and her vision for the games moving forward. If you missed Heidi's episode on generational change in Egypt, go back and check it out. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your listening platform and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you to the Women's Sports Foundation for their incredible partnership on this episode. Thank you to teammates Maddie Ullinu and Sarah Saad for their help. And thanks as always to Dino Catano for his mentorship. We'll catch you on our next episode.